welcome. Welcome back to my podcast, 24's podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast. Pretty much where you can find any podcast, you can find 24's podcast, which, by the way, it is the best video game and sports podcast on the internet. We're already the best. We're only four months in. Already the best. Got a lot of rest today. You appreciate the hard days. You appreciate the days where you get a rest. This was definitely one of those days I got all my eight hours of sleep back. I haven't had a nice eight-hour day in almost a week. Feeling refreshed. It's 11 o'clock at night watching Los Angeles versus the, uh, the, excuse me, I got to differentiate because both LA teams are playing the Clippers versus the Lakers. Clippers are beating the crap out of the Lakers right now, by the way. A lot of trades happened in the past couple of days. One of those being a trade that I had my eye on for the past couple of days. We'll talk about the Jets versus the Patriots. That ass whooping that happened last night. We'll talk about it more tonight. All of that and much more right here on 24's Podcast. LeBron and Anthony Davis are getting their iron tails whipped right now by Kawhi Leonard. And uh, I, I, Paul George isn't even playing. I don't know. I, I mean, they're up. They're, the, the, I'm watching an advert right now. I'm watching a shit ton of advertisements, by the way. So I don't know what the score is. Oh, wait. The game is back on. Excuse me. I, I, had, I had already fast-forwarded. And I had space in my DVR. What's the score? 66 to 77. Jesus Christ. Bottom of the third quarter, 452 left. There's a lot of Laker fans in the stadium. They were booing the crap out of Kawhi when he was given a speech. Remember, he didn't win anything in, in Los Angeles for the Clippers. He didn't win a damn thing. Excuse me. This quarter. Or not this quarter, but for this team. People were booing him. Lakers defense is... uh questionable but it is very interesting to see you know who the Lakers have they have obviously LeBron and Anthony Davis but uh someone that went under the rug is uh is what's his face uh what's his Danny Green he played for the Spurs he he was traded to the Toronto Raptors when Kawhi was traded and on top of that they also have uh what's his face Dwight Howard they have Dwight Howard and they have DeMarcus Cousins like the Lakers at that big boy uh, position, the you know the center, the power, they have a lot of dudes, man. They have a lot of, and they have Javale McGee, who who despite his reputation for being on Shaqed and a fool, he is actually turned into a really really good center. I think he won one or two championships with Golden State, and then he left last year, and now he's still on the Lakers. And let me tell you something, Javale McGee, he's actually like a legit center now. So. Like he can, he can give you some good minutes. 70 to 82, by the way. The Lakers, they're just not playing defense, to be honest with you, which is weird. They're just, just not playing defense. Anthony Davis has not played. He has 21 points this game. Jesus Christ. They still are down 12, bottom of the third. That sounds baseball-esque, like bottom of the third. You know, I don't know. 
No idea who the Lakers head coach is. I'm looking at him right now. I can't tell you who he is. I usually know coaches. I usually know him by face. No idea who this coach is. And this is like, this isn't the preseason. I I, I don't like casting the preseason NBA games while the uh, while football is going on. But it's like, hell, I, I love sports. I love basketball. I love LeBron. Why not? Oof, man. But a lot of trades happened all around the NFL today. A lot of them. A lot of them are super important. First and foremost, uh, the Broncos, they're like, we're starting fresh, we're starting new, we're offloading everybody. We're getting rid of the non-essentials. Like Emmanuel Sanders, for example. Emmanuel Sanders just went to the 49ers. If you remember, if you've been you know, listening to the podcast, I, I don't know, maybe you should tune in to some of my other podcasts. If you like the podcast, but with this, uh, but with Emmanuel Sanders, I was talking about the 49ers a couple of days ago and how Jimmy Garoppolo, his stats were just horrific. They were terrible. Even though his team is, is just winning a whole bunch of football games. They Google for some weird reason does not have his individual stats right now. Like he has seven touchdowns, six interceptions. He's almost at a one-to-one Touchdown interception ratio. What's his yards? Let me look at his total yards. I think they're at like 1,700. Oh my God, they're worse. 1,300. They're 1,300. Uh, 1,314. Like he has 1,314 yards. That's your $30 million quarterback, by the way. So Garoppolo hasn't been playing very well. 166 against Tampa Bay, 296 against Cincinnati, 277 against Pittsburgh, 181 against Cleveland, 243 against the uh, the Rams, and Jesus Christ, 151 against Washington. He's only had two games this season with double digit, not with double digit, excuse me, but uh, he's only had two games with more than one touchdown. That was against Cleveland and Cincinnati. And check this out. He's also had a lot of games. Like every other game has had an interception in it. Like if he doesn't score two or more touchdowns, he's going to have an interception. Why is nobody talking about this? This dude has not played very well for the past seven weeks. Seven, I, I, it sounds like he's hurt, man. Like I, by the way, 78, 82 uh, Clippers, but you know, the Lakers are coming up real fast. How is this not talked about? This like like I was like man San Francisco they're really really good often not offensively but defensively but then I look at their offense and I'm like Garoppolo is the low hanging fruit he's the guy that you can attack really really easily like I wonder what would happen if you just just freaking send everybody if you blitz Garoppolo what would happen who do, who do the 49ers play against and I'll give Cynthia Freeland credit. She said, look at the schedule going forward. And I was like, I didn't look closely as I should. But she even said it. She's like, you know what? They got to play against the Rams again, which I don't believe. They, they got to play, check this out. They got to play against Carolina on Sunday. That's going to be a very, very interesting game. They got to play up against the 49ers, the Packers, the Ravens. Come on. There you go. It loaded. The Packers, the Ravens, and the Saints. And they got to go up against the Rams and the Seahawks in the final two games of the season. So in the last two games of the season, they're going to be vying for, by the way, 80-82. This game is heating up. 
they're going to be competing against excuse me against their two divisional rivals that can steal this division away from them tie game 82 82 everybody lakers are starting to hammer it on right now so my main question right now is you know can jimmy garoppolo because he's he's who who has he played against let's check let's check the tape because everybody likes to say well dak prescott has not played he has not played against anybody besides the Rams, really. Yeah, besides the Rams. Holy shit, I, I I miscalculated this. I said that the 49ers, they could be the team that goes that goes to the NFC Championship game. But I'm looking closely at Garoppolo's stats, and then I look at their upcoming schedule, and then I look at their previous schedule, and I'm like, pause. Hold on a minute. He played up against the Bucks, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Browns, the Rams, and then Washington. How many teams on that list are making the playoffs? Like, seriously. His schedule really doesn't ramp up to Dallas's level. Like, he, does, he doesn't have that hard of a schedule when it comes to, you know, if we're comparing and contrasting. But he still has to go up against the Packers. He still has to go up against the Saints, the Seahawks, the Ravens. And he has to play the Rams and the Seahawks two more times this season. And he hasn't played the um, he hasn't played the Seahawks at all. And he's gonna play him Sunday night, eleven eleven. Oof, man! Like, I I I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to I I hate backtracking really really quickly, but I may have to I've I got this feeling. The the honeymoon phase for Garoppolo is over with. He's he's in the next six weeks going to go up against three potential playoff teams. Something that he really hasn't done in the entirety of the season. He's really only gone up against one really, really good team. And the Browns, I mean, I, I, I don't know about the Browns, man. I really, really don't. I said they were, they were making the playoffs. And uh, they haven't lived up to expectations. But I look at the 49ers and I'm like, I have this sinking feeling because Garoppolo is going to play up against some really, really great defenses. And he hasn't had a 300-yard game this season, by the way. So I'm guessing they traded for Emmanuel Sanders to help him out. But even still, man, I, I nine points against Washington? Yes, you heard me right. Nine points against... Washington, the Washington team. I don't like to say the actual team name because it's a racial slur. But against the Washington team, they scored nine points. Like a team where everybody can universally agree that that is a horrific team. And now I got to look at their upcoming schedule and I'm like, Dallas is still in this race to get the uh, a number two or a number one seed now. Don't count out Dallas just yet. They're still in this race. Obviously, some things have to fall in line, but Garoppolo has not played good. If if I had to rate Garoppolo, he wouldn't. He he is not even on my radar as a quarterback. If I told you his stats, and I have told you his stats, and you if I just blanket if I just said this is his stats, and you didn't know like you didn't know his stats were his stats, you would be like that. That sounds like a terrible quarterback, to me at least. Looking at the Saints' schedule, 
I mean, they play the Falcons twice. They're going to play Carolina twice. They're going to go up against the Colts, the 49ers, the Packers, not the Packers, the uh, the Panthers. I mean, they, they, it's easy street from pretty much here on out. They've played the majority of the uh, the hard spots on there. Let me let me rattle off the names, right? So they got the Cardinals, the Falcons, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Falcons again, the 49ers, the Colts, the Titans, and the Panthers. How, how many of those games are losses, do you think? Because really, like, maybe the Colts, maybe the Panthers, maybe the 49ers, maybe the Titans. Maybe. And those are, like, really, really big maybes. Like, they could, it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, like, escape my mind for the Saints to go undefeated with Drew Brees when they get him back, by the way. Um, uh, in, in, in the following weeks, like, I think the Saints, they either have the number one or the number two seed, and then it's up to Dallas and um, the 49ers. I think that's who we're in competition with right now, and I I love Garoppolo's stats as a Cowboy fan, and I love that he only scored four. Like, we're, we're going to learn a lot within the next four weeks about Garoppolo because his defense is going to, his defense is going to be put out there and they're going to have to go up against Murray. Yes, Kyler Murray. Yes, you heard me right. He's going to have to play against him. He's going to have to play against Kyler. He's going to have to play against the Panthers. He's going to have to play against the Seahawks. I like those games for us as Cowboy fans. I don't really like those games for LeBron just hustled to get the rebound kick it out to the outside. I mean, this is what this is what happens when you have freaking Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis on the, like on the damn team, man. Like you're talking you're talking like two bigs. They have they have had three offensive possessions consecutively because they just out-rebounded the Clippers, man. They couldn't execute at all whatsoever. They they tried to hit a two, they missed the two. They tried to hit a three, they missed a three and then they tried to hit another three. Like, they just missed a bunch of their points. Easy points, by the way. Kawhi's now at the free throw line. He's a pretty good uh, free throw shooter. 85-87 Clippers, by the way. So I'm very, very skeptical right now about the uh, the 49ers right now just because of their upcoming... And, and Cynthia was right now. She was right. Let me let me figure it. Let me, let me find the power rankings. But she she was right now. I was like, yeah, right, yeah, right, you know. Uh, the 49ers, yeah, right. You know, you get you get you get into that feeling. It's like, yeah, right, the 49ers. Da 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 da. da. And then she she was one hundred percent right. She's like, look at the schedule going forward. And I was like, look at the schedule going forward. They have one of the best. They have they have four first round players on that defensive line. They have a shot at getting out of the first place schedule and with, uh, not that first place schedule, excuse me, out of first place or second place in the, in the conference and somebody can steal. Let's listen to Cynthia Freeland. She's right about this. She's right. I mean, 
the 49ers are three losses up on the Rams and just beat them in L.A. Like, I wouldn't Look call at that the schedule a schedule going forward. I There's, would say that's a decided advantage for you. They, the, the Niners still have to play the Packers, right. the Saints, the Rams again, the Seahawks, I believe, twice. Yeah. So there's still a long – there's a lot of football left to be played. And there there's going to be one from them that makes the playoffs. And once we figure out who it is, that Super Bowl number will jump. But right now, one so team – So I'll, I'll put this to you and your, your fancy model friend. My, my fancy model friend. Uh, <laughs> if you had to pick the two teams from the NFC West that are going to make the playoffs, because two of them are going to go. Yeah. What two are they? It's going to be – I think the Seahawks one, the Niners two. I think so too. Weirdly enough, I think so too. I think that that team, the Niners, they are an extremely, an extremely young team. And I here, I don't think Garoppolo is that strong of a leader. You know, I don't think he's going to be the the type of guy that's going to like. How are they? How how? Explain this to me. How are they going to go and fare against the Packers? How are they going to play against the Packers, the Seattle Seahawks? Garoppolo. How's he going to do it? I, I just, I look at their schedule and I'm like, it's not over just yet. They don't have the number two or the number one. I think for the Saints, it's done. Like they just, you want to talk about one of the easiest schedules in the league. Holy shit. They've, they've had literally one of the easiest schedules in the league. But again, we're not talking about the Saints. I think the Saints are either the two or the one, unless something horrible happens. Like they're like you play the Falcons twice, you play the Buccaneers, the the Cardinals. You're playing against the 49ers, the Panthers twice. You're playing Tennessee. Like, what the hell is going on with Marcus Mariota? Why isn't he playing? Is he hurt? I don't play. Uh, I don't play really any attention to the Titans, but. Uh, is he hurt or what's what's going on here? He's active, but they subbed in a different guy during another game, right? I don't know. But I, I you know, I, I look at the 49ers roster. They're loaded. But I look at their their inability, their their kind of lack of a quarterback, you know? And they're going to play Kyle Island, uh, Island, Allen on Sunday. And I think we're going to get a really, really nice measuring stick about the, uh, the 49ers really, really soon. In the next three weeks, man, they're in for a heap of trouble. And then you have, you look at the Cowboys schedule, right? They have some tough games, but I also think that they have some easy wins as well. Just based upon what I've seen in the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're coming off of a bye week and they're playing against the Giants in Sunday on on Monday night football, right? Then they have the Giant not the Giants, excuse me, the Vikings, the Lions, right? I think those are two wins. So now Dallas, they're 4 and 3, they go up 7 and 3. I think they lose to the Patriots, so that's 7 and 4. They they have in the final uh, excuse me, in the final 5 weeks. Bills, Bears, Rams, Eagles, Washington. Right. So let's let's do let's do this. Let's let's play the game here. Right. Let's go back to the bye week. We're in the bye week right now. Dallas is going to play on a pretty yeah, they're going to play pretty much a week. On, what is it? Like 2 weeks from now? Am I tripping on that? 
I'm so confused right now. Am I doing math wrong? Am I doing the wrong math? No, I'm not. So they, they literally are about to play in two weeks. Because they're not playing on Sunday, right? It's not like they're playing on Sunday. They're, or technically, it's less than a week. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, it's not much. I'm like, it's the 22nd. They got it. Like, it's a week from now. I'm like, I, I forgot today's Tuesday. But they literally are going to play in like two weeks, right? And I get it. That's what the bye week does. But usually when you come off the bye week, you you have the bye week, but then you play on like Sunday, right, is my point. But they get an extra day off because they're playing on Monday against the Giants, a very, very easy team. And then you look at you look at the Giants and Washington, the, the team that they're going to play after the bye week and then the team that they're going to play at the end of the season, right? Those are two very, very easy wins, I think, for the Cowboys. LeBron, he's doing his thing. 92-87 Clippers. Giants and Washington. Those are two wins. All right. So we go we go now six and three, right? Because I think we win those games. Vikings Sunday night, Lions noon in Detroit. I think Stafford is going I think he's reeling right now. This is the season. This is the time of the season. What what what's their what's their uh what's their record right now? What's their record? The Detroit Lions are fourth in their division, and I think they're like two, three, and one. I think that's the record. Yeah, it's they're they're last in their division. They're about to start reeling. If you don't know Stafford, usually this is the time, and and if you don't know the Lions, usually this is the time of the year where they start reeling, where they start, uh, where, where they start making that where hope becomes extinguished in Detroit, right? So in a couple of weeks, literally in three, not in a couple, but in three weeks, they play against the Cowboys in Detroit, right? So that game specifically is going to be imperative because that's going to put Dallas on a three-game winning streak. And Detroit, don't let people lie to you. Detroit's a good team. They're a good team, but they just, they they just, they're, they're a little bit unlucky and they start to, and, and they're, they're unfortunate sometimes, you know? And they have uh, they have Stafford at quarterback. He's he's a, he's a great statistician. You love his stats. Let me let me look at let me find his stats right now. I haven't looked at Matthew's stats like at all, like ever. I mean, check check this out. He has three hundred and sixty four yards against the Vikings. Four touchdowns, one interception. He's zero and zero against the Packers. Three touchdowns, two hundred and ninety one yards against the Chiefs. 201 yards, one touchdown against the uh, the Eagles. Two touchdowns, two interceptions against the Chargers, three touchdowns against the, the the Cardinals. And you would think like and he has 1700 yards. Like he's he's balling right now. You would think, "Oh my gosh, like Stafford and and the Vikings, not the Vikings, the uh the Lions, they're rolling right now." And they're 2-3 and 1. Like that's that's who Detroit is. That who that is who Matthew Stafford is. It's like you're used to seeing like he had, last season he had 37 yards, 3700 yards. The season before that, 4400. The season before that, 4300. I mean, he has had he has had like consistent 4000 yard plus seasons since 2012. I mean, he's he's Matthew Ryan. He's Matt Ryan. The Iceman, Matty Ice. I think is I think Matt Ryan's name is actually Matt, not Matthew, but you 
Like Matthew Stafford, he is he he's he's a talented quarterback who cannot win the big games. He needed to win against the Vikings, the Packers. Like those are his divisional rivals. Did he beat the Vikings? He has four touchdowns. I don't think he did. He didn't beat the Vikings, right? No, he got 42 to to 30. No, he did not beat the Vikings. He did beat the Eagles. That was, a, that was a great game for me as a Cowboy fan. But this is when his his team, when the Cowboys play him, this is when they this is when they they'll start reeling. So then you have the Cowboys three o'clock in Foxborough against the Patriots. I'm already counting that as a loss because I'm that's Brady, man. I'm not doubting Brady. I'm not gonna be the type of guy to be like you know what Brady. Well, actually. Let's do a little bit of history. Let's do a little bit of research here. Because just like Stafford, I haven't looked at Brady's stats. I've looked at his games, but I haven't looked at his stats. Let me check him out. No, his stats are his stats are okay. 11-4. and four. Uh, When it comes to his touchdown and interception ratio, he has like 1,900 yards. He has 65% completion. He has a couple of games. He has like the last game against the Jets, one touchdown, one interception. He has, uh, against the Bills, 150 yards, 46 touch, uh, 46% completion percentage. But beyond that, he, you know, he's played, he's played good. He's played really, really good. Except against the Giants, where he had an interception and uh, no touchdowns. But he had 334 yards, and he had 75% completion percentage. So... I can't remember how I'm like I'm like how did that how did that game win because that was a Thursday night game and then I was like oh yeah that was when Daniel Jones came into New England and they just mollywopped him or it was the other way around the Patriots went to I think it was they came to New England and they just put a beating on Daniel Jones absolute thrashing this is a pretty interesting game by the way LeBron and Anthony Davis are struggling to beat a a uh, a Paul George less team in the Los Angeles Clippers and Patrick Beverly is doing Patrick Beverly things and absolutely being a disruption to uh, the offense of the Los Angeles Lakers. Seven minutes left in the quarter, in the game. Three ball, it's good. 97, 90. I mean, they're just letting these guys shoot, to be honest with you. They're just like, we're just going to let you guys shoot and we think you're not going to make it. And the, uh, the Clippers, they're 100% making these shots back to Dallas. So you have Giants, Washington, two wins. I think we're going to beat Kirk Cousins. If you look at Kirk Cousins' primetime record, even, and then you add in his his record against teams that have won games, like, it is horrific. It's like his win, he, he, he is like below, significantly below 500. Like, it is not very good as a Vikings quarterback, and I know I brought it up a couple of weeks ago, maybe, maybe maybe not even a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago, where I was like, you know, it, ha- having like a good record against winning teams as a quarterback, it's a fallacy, you know, winning teams are winning teams for a reason, like every quarterback has a losing record against winning teams besides Brady, uh, Roethlisberger, and Wilson, everybody else, I mean, you're, you're a loser, essentially, and um, like, I, I got that, but we're talking like a couple of games off for certain quarterbacks. Like the example that people were using was Dak Prescott doesn't have a winning record against uh, winning teams. And it's like, well, he's only a couple of games off. But Minnesota Vikings, their quarterback, Kirk Cousins, he, we're talking he's like 10 games. Like he's 10 games 
off. Like he is like four, maybe like five of like 15. Like he, he His record against winning teams is terrible. And then his record in primetime games, it's like, it's something similar where it is just atrocious. So he doesn't win the big games and he doesn't win against winning teams. In fact, he, he usually gets thrashed by winning teams. And it all comes to a head when he has to play up, up against... Dallas, by the way, Kawhi Leonard tonight, 25, Anthony Davis, 25, LeBron, uh, 18. So I think the Vikings and the Lions, those are two wins. The Patriots, they're a loss. Then you got to go up against the Bills. Josh Allen in that Bills defense has has played really, really well. I think that's going to be a win. So now Dallas is going to be, they're going to have the Giants, the Vikings, the Lions, the Bills, and then Washington, that's five wins. So now we're at nine and four because I think they're going to lose to the Patriots. And I think they're going to lose one game to maybe the Rams, maybe the Eagles. I think they take the Bears. I love their quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, when it comes to playing against him. Matt Nagy, and, and I mentioned this yesterday, and I was like, I was surprised and shocked that Mitchell Trubisky in a game where he throws 54 times and completes like 30-something passes, he has 250 yards, which is horrific. That's terrible. I'm like, and and the Bears defense, they're going. what's going to happen really, really soon is they're going to be like, we can't win with this dude at all. And I love this game for Dallas because this is going to be one of those games where they just crush the Bears they go into the Bears and they just dominate them they go up to Chicago on Thursday night and I think they're just going to crunch them you know I don't think it's going to be close I think Dallas is I think Dallas is just going to absolutely decimate that team 101-90 the Lakers their offense ugh I don't know what the hell's going on here LeBron isn't on the field for some reason on the court it's like five minutes left. I don't I don't know where LeBron is. AD is on the court. LeBron is off the court for some weird reason. I don't really know why he's off the court. But whatever. So, I think we're either... I, I would hope we would beat the Eagles and the Rams, but I wouldn't mind losing to the Rams, if, especially if we have to see them in the playoffs. And then Washington, to, uh, Washington at Dallas to close out the season. So, uh, just in case if you weren't keeping track, I count... Giants, Vikings, Lions, Bills, Bears, Eagles, or Rams. It doesn't really matter which. It's like, I think we're going to split that difference. And then Washington. So I think we probably should win seven of the next, uh, seven of the next, I think, nine games, right? Well, what are we? We're four and three. So seven weeks. Yeah. Seven of the next nine games. I think that's a reasonable expectation. They're against good teams. Don't, don't get it twisted. They are against good teams. But do I trust uh, the Vikings to make the playoffs this season? No, not really. Do I trust the Lions? They're bottom of the division. Uh, the Bills, um, they they have a really, really good defense, but they're playing in Dallas. And like I would, I would give a slight edge probably to the Bills, but I think the Cowboys, they're either going to, again, they're either going to come into their own at around this time, and they're going to be reeling off of a Patriot loss. And by the way, I should have mentioned this, the Bills game is in Dallas, and it's on Thanksgiving, so Thanksgiving games for Thanksgiving teams, they usually have, like, for, they usually have a really, really good record, especially against teams who just don't play in Thanksgiving games, right, so you got the Bears, 
the Rams, the Eagles were probably going to split the difference. And Dallas, they have a really, really nice shot of going like, of oh, just a bad pass Kawhi against LeBron. LeBron, great job, great defense. It was a two, it was a two on one, and LeBron gets the steal, ninety two one hundred three. Some weird reason LeBron isn't on the floor right now. But I think the Cowboys they can they can definitely win ten plus games, maybe eleven, maybe eleven. I'm gonna be con- really really, but I'm like I said it at the beginning of the season. I said and and you can go back and you can watch the tape. I think that I thought back then I thought Dallas could win ten games. I still think they can. I I even said I'm like I don't think I don't think seven and two at the end of the season is unreasonable. I really really don't especially against some of the teams. I think, and again, some of these teams are going to start feeling that they're, or not even going to start feeling, they are going to know that they are going to miss the playoffs. Like they're going to know, like the Bears, they're going to know, and they're not going to have the same effort. And Trubisky is already a suspect quarterback. The Rams are going to know, the Eagles, they're definitely going to know, and the Eagles, they 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 don't have a leader. They don't have a leader. They're not going to have someone who's going to galvanize the troops and be like, hey, we, we got the Cowboys. We can we can either stop them from being the number one or the number two, or we can stop them from, or we have a shot. Maybe the Eagles make a, make a, <laughs> they can stop us from being the one or the two, right? And me personally, I think, I, I'm not superstitious like at all. I don't wear any type of special underwear I don't I don't do any different types of things when it comes I like you you even saw it when we were on a three game uh, losing streak I was playing that song the SpongeBob song the sweet victory and I was like I don't care if we win I don't care if we lose like it's it's not the song that's the superstition it's simply put they're just not playing well played it played it in uh played it when they won played it when they lost I was like we're gonna we're gonna have some victorious games this season is not over yet for the Cowboys. This is this season is very, very much over for some of these teams. And with a lot of the trades, with the 49ers getting Emmanuel Sanders, they're going to try and help out the passing game. The Patriots, by the way, they got someone who I did not expect them to get ever before in my entire life. I was like, they got Mohamed Sanu. They got him. They traded for him today. I had Emmanuel Sanders. I knew he was on the trade block. Uh, the Broncos, they were sourcing out trades after that last game. I knew it could potentially happen. I didn't think it was actually going to happen. He's been one of their best wide receivers, and it's like you look at the Broncos, it's like, well, they're starting o- over, and they're going to accumulate draft. They're pretty much tanking right now. What's the Broncos' record? They're probably tanking. Or no, they're not probably. They are tanking. I don't know who their head coach is. When I can't tell you, as someone who loves head coaches who usually tries to stay on the up and up with head coaches. If I can't tell you a specific team's head coach, your team is uh, is doing something terribly wrong. Yeesh. Anthony Lynn and the Chargers, speaking of head coaches, two and five. They're tied for bottom of the division with the Broncos. Yeesh. Mm, mm, mm. Two and five. Sorry, I had to get my bottle cap off the floor. Uh, 
So they're probably looking to get the uh, the number one draft pick and probably get some type of a quarterback, whoever it is. Maybe they see Jalen Hurts or who is their head coach? What is his, let, let me actually look this dude up. Who is the head coach of the Broncos? Vic Vangio. What, what is, what, what is his, what's his resume? A 40 year coaching veteran with 32 seasons has been a defensive coordinator for 20 of the last 20 seasons. Listen, that is not good that you've been a defensive coordinator for 20 of the last 24 seasons. The reason why that that is never that's never good cuz usually what you do as a team is you hire a head coach to be a head coach. You hire you you don't elevate the coordinators because they usually don't turn out that way. I don't know why. I can't give you the specifics, but there's not a lot of coordinators that transition into being great head coaches there really isn't there's there's obviously rules to the exception like um like uh like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan they were coordinators but they they rose through the ranks right if you get trapped in that position in that job you usually don't turn out to be a whole lot of nothing you usually turn out to be a whole lot of nothing as a coordinator so uh, that's not good, like at all. That he's the head coach and he's he's been a defensive coordinator. But the Patriots, they got Muhammad Sanu. Um, Josh Gordon was hurt against the Jets, and uh, and uh, what what else? Nick uh, Nikhil Harry, he was also hurt. So everybody's been hurt. They're they they've been dealing with injuries just like everybody else. So they go after Muhammad Sanu. Um, that's it. That is they they've taken the AFC. They have absolutely taken the AFC over. It's just that simple. I thought when they got Antonio Brown, I was like, that's it. They're done. Like, I I don't know who their defense is. I didn't realize their defense was that good when they got Antonio Brown. But when they got him, I was like, that's it. It's over with. The uh, the division is over with. The conference. I mean, the division is over with every single time that Brady and Belichick show up to work on the first, on like uh, the opening day of, of of the offseason. It's like whenever they show up to work, the season is over with for that division. For people who are like, oh yeah, the Jets, they have a chance. You know, the, the Jets, they don't have Donald anymore. The guy who had like six turnovers against the, the Patriots had three, three passer rating, a three, and like 70-something yards. Let me look up the, let me look up the guy who, who's supposedly better than Dak Prescott, according to, uh, to, to Greeny. What's it, what were, what were his stats again? Sweet. 86 yards, four interceptions, six total turnovers. A passer rating of 3.6, which is like impossible to have. You've you will you have to play so abysmal and so terrible to be able to have that type of a to have that type of a stat line, right? Shannon Sharp brought it up this morning on Undisputed. I was watching Undisputed this morning. It was like, listen, if that was any other player on that team, if that was Falk or who whoever, I, I don't know who their damn backup quarterbacks are. But if that was anyone else on that team, they would 100% have been cut today. They played yesterday, but they would have they would have had their bags their bags packed today. But because of Starnold, oh, let's give him another shot. He's a first round draft pick. Check this out. He's played in three games. 
He had one great game against the Cowboys, against the Bills, 175, against the Patriots, 86. You like those stats? I don't. Nobody does. He has three games. I get it. He's throwing for almost 200 yards a game, but let's play. Let's look into it. Look at the schedule going forward. Let's look at it. Let's look at the Jets. They got the Jaguars. Is that a win or is that a loss? I think the Dolphins, they are a loss. I think the Dolphins will get their first win against the Jets. Especially if, like, if every team literally just does what the Patriots just did on Monday night, where they just blitzed the crap out of Sam Darnold, and then, like, this morning people are like, oh, yeah, they didn't have any, they didn't have any cushioning, cushion blanket or whatever for Sam Darnold, and it's like, well, hold on a minute, Sam Darnold is in his second year, he's a guy who everybody has been telling me is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you guys told me last week he's better than Dak, but he can't read blitz coverages, when I'm like, they're blitzing him on literally every single play, they're like, dude, we're just like, we, you have not read the blitz properly, like at all, we're not, we don't have, we don't have to play defense straight up, we're just gonna blitz you, and, and, and you can't read it properly, so we know for a fact that you're going to get hit, he has to play up against the Jaguars, the Dolphins, Washington, New York, I think Washington or New York, one of those games is gonna be a loss, the Raiders, I think that's a loss, the Bengals, he plays a really, really easy schedule, and he's not, I guarantee this. Let me. How many games does he have? He has, what, eight more weeks. He's going to be playing a lot of football, right? In his second year, he's going to be playing up against the, ja- the Jaguars. I think that's a loss. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to lose against the Dolphins in an upset. In Miami, by the way. The, the the I mean the Giants versus the Jets it's like who you know it's a it's a toss up you know depending on who you are you know you you could give the edge to the Giants you could give an edge to the Jets when it comes to the home field advantage I don't really care I'm not from New York even though I do live on the West Coast or on the East Coast Jets at Washington toss up I don't that's kind of an I don't care game you know I don't really care about that game I don't think it has any real impact. And I don't really, like, like they're both really, really bad teams. But if I were to do it, if I were to, like, if if I were to take last week's momentum into that game against the Jets for, for Washington, right? Being able to hold out Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers to, like, four points or, or nine points. I'm like, yeah, I would give an edge to Washington against the Jets. Raiders, that's a loss. Bengals, that's a toss-up. Another Dolphin game. Check the re- Another reason why I'm going to say... The Dolphins in 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 like week in like week ten, Sam Darnold got swept by the Dolphins last year. Not saying the Jets got swept. He got swept. He played in the. He got swept. Jets at Ravens. That's a loss. Steelers, Bills, maybe one of two. Maybe he beats the Steelers. Maybe. Ninety nine one ten. This game is over for the Los Angeles Lakers. But I look at Sam Darnold and like Cynthia Freeland looking at the schedule going forward. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see it with him. I don't see it with Darnold. I don't see it. Okay. So they got an offensive foul on Kawhi. I don't see it with Darnold, man. I don't, I don't see him. What, what is the jet? So they won one game against the Cowboys. I'm like, what's the record again? And I'm like, oh yeah, the only win. Like, I don't see them winning three games within the next 
eight to nine weeks. So, you know. And he's going up against really, really bad teams. But literally, if every single team is like, we're just going to blitz the crap out of Donald and we're just going to let the, you know, we're, we're just going to let the, the guys get there. We're just going to let the coverage get there. Like, and every single team they have that I just mentioned, they have guys that can go after the quarterback by blitzing. So I'm just, I am extremely doubtful about this dude. 3.6 passer rating. Jesus Christ, man. But I think that the uh, the overall, I think the season is over with when it comes to every other team in the AFC. Um, they got Muhammad Sanu, and by they, I mean the Patriots. Long live the empire. The evil empire. But I do think that uh, they're done. You know, um, the AFC is done. It's a lock. Uh, you may as well, if you're a New England fan, you may as well, you know, reserve your seat for the AFC Championship game because New England will be there. I don't know if they'll win it. I'm not like, I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, New England's going to go to the Super Bowl. I'm like, eh, the playoffs, they haven't started yet. We'll see. And I haven't seen Mohamed Sanu be incorporated into the offense yet. But I think I'm right on this. And I think that Mohamed, uh, excuse me, I think that Mohamed Sanu will make this team a whole lot better. But more importantly, I think that with Josh Gordon coming back, with Edelman being there, with Ben Watson being there, with uh, Nikhil Harry coming back, and now you've added Mohamed Sanu. I'm I'm trying to tell you, man, this, this is a this is a dangerous Patriot team offensively. They're almost they're they're like right on the cusp of being able to just dominate that conference, that league, yeah, and uh, the LAC Clippers, the Los Angeles Clippers, they're going to win this game by like 10 points. But I look at this conference, and I, I just don't see any opposition to the Patriots. They could legitimately go lossless. They could, they could I, I don't know, they could, they could not lose a game. They could win every single game. In the next couple of weeks. Well, let's play that game. Look at the schedule going forward. They got the Browns. They got the Ravens. They got the Eagles. They got the Cowboys. They got the Texans. They got the Chiefs, Bengals, Bills. I mean, they can all beat these. They could beat all of these teams, man. They could. They really, really could. Mahomes is going to be back for the Kansas City game. By the way, this is just a question for the NFL. Out of all the games that you don't put on Sunday night, you don't put on the AFC Championship game rematch on Sunday night, you make it a 3 o'clock game? What What's going to be the Sunday night football game for 12-8? What's the Sunday night football game? I guarantee you it's not going to be as good as Patriots versus the Chiefs. This is what I'm talking about, by the way, when it comes with scheduling of the uh, of the actual like season. It's like you have the Patriots, you have the um, you have the Chiefs. Like, why not put them on Sunday night? Who is 
you put the Seahawks and the Rams on Sunday night, but not Patriots and the Chiefs? I'll give it to you. That's a good game. But a better game would be Patriots-Chiefs. But when it comes to the Patriots, I think it's a wrap, man. I think they have they may lose to the Texans because I love I love Deshaun. They may lose to the Chiefs because I obviously I love Mahomes. They could lose against the Patriots. It's just it's just that even though I love all those guys, they and and they're going to have a hard 3 to 5 weeks. They're going to go up they're going to face off against the Ravens, they're going to go up against the Eagles. If the Eagles have a spine, they'll play hard, but they probably don't because they'll, you know, they'll they'll, they'll lay over and Brady is pissed off. He's, he, he is not happy with that team, with that organization at all. So he's probably going to just go into New England, or not New England, excuse me, but Philadelphia and mollywop the Eagles, especially because he, he, I mean, they were talking so much trash. Bill Belichick has a special recipe to be able to defeat the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. By the way, I would not be surprised if they ran that stupid play, Philly, Philly, in Philadelphia. Everybody was like, oh my God, that's the best play I've ever seen. Literally, the Patriots did it like on their last possession. I'm like, it's it's literally not that big of a deal. But I'm watching that game. I'm looking at the Patriots and the Eagles, and then they got the Cowboys, then they got the Texans, then they got the Chiefs. I'm like, they got Baltimore, Eagles, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs. Those are five really really interesting games they could lose them they could win them but they're all going to be interesting so I look now at their schedule the Patriots and I'm like they could still dominate they could still win out but at the same token they can also lose some of these games that I think they could lose against the Cowboys I think they could lose against the the Texans and the Chiefs I think they're going to dominate uh the Browns and and the Ravens but November is always the month where the Patriots, they just turn it on, man. It's when they turn it on. They turn on the Jets. They turn on everything. They turn it up. They turn it on. They, they, get, they get going. They get hot. Unlike the Jets, who will cool down in the next couple of weeks. Let me look at their schedule one more time. Let me look at their schedule. Yeah, they're... I'm like, I had to refresh myself. I'm like, you guys aren't winning more than three games in the next nine weeks. Book it. Guarantee it. And your schedule is doable. Like, as in, you could win. You could win some of those games. A lot of those games. Because they're just so... The teams that you're going up against are so terrible. Jesus Christ, man. You're going to lose a lot of games. A lot of those games. Is that it for the NFL? Talked about Muhammad Sanu. Talked about the Patriots. Talked about everything. Oh, yeah. Speaking of those uh, damn Philadelphia Jets. Eagles, Jets, whatever. They have that same disgusting green. Hold on. Let me take a swig of my water first. I also had a very, very interesting article on my computer. Got this, uh, Skip Bayless said this this morning. 
I was like, that's something that I got to look up. Headline, DallasNews.com. Two Jets players fined for illegal hits on Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott that weren't flagged. And yes, one of those shots that Dak Prescott took, the head-to-head shot, that was the play that Dak took an illegal hit and it wasn't called. And Dak went into concussion protocol, by the way. Which I think Dak, I've had a con- I've had concussions before. I I don't care what happened in the concussion protocol. I'm pretty sure Dak had a had a concussion. Pretty sure he did. If I'm honest with you, like I would have been surprised that he that he wouldn't have. And when Dak grabbed it, Dak does not show that he's hurt a lot. Like he he's taking some shots. I've when he grabbed his head, I'm like Dak's hurt. He's hurt. Didn't call that play. Dak takes a shot where a guy runs into Dak. The ball is, I mean, it's, it, it is as easy as it is. It is as easy as it gets when it comes to calling pass interference. Or not pass interference, roughing the passer, excuse me. Dak throws the ball. The defensive lineman launches at Dak even though he's thrown it. And just, I mean, he mollywops Dak. And Dak is looking at the ref and he's like, I'm not, I'm not getting the flag. He understands that from Jump Street. So those two, those two guys should have gotten flagged. And one of those drives was the drive that Sam Darnold had scored the the 98 plus yard touchdown to Anderson on. So it would have been like first and 20. The, the, the article breaks it down. Dallas would have pretty much been in Dallas was inside of jet territory. They would have scored probably at least a field goal, but instead they would, they were, they would have been on like the first and the 15th first and 10 at the 25 yard line they would have been in scoring position but instead because the refs screwed them over and they got Dak Prescott hurt guess what now Dallas has their quarterback who has to play through a lot of you know pain and also they're not rewarded for it the refs they even had it one of the refs even apologized for it because they missed the Hewitt hit And Hewitt was the guy that had come in late after the ball was thrown. It wasn't the helmet shot. It was when he just ran straight into Dak Prescott's midriff, midsection, excuse me. And check this out. Hewitt suffered a stinger when spearing Prescott. And he and he was doubtful to play against New England. How's that for karma? You do a dirty play. It doesn't get called. He had to get fined and he suffered a stinger. Obviously, you don't want him to be hurt, but Jesus Christ, man, when you're playing dirty like that, he knew he was playing dirty too. But on that exact play, he suffered a stinger. Malik Collins, my guy, defensive lineman, he got ta- uh, he got he got fined and flagged for the horse collar tackle on Sam Darnold, but they didn't. But you know, they of course they flagged him, of course, but they didn't flag those two guys for the Jets. And um, when Antonio Brown, he said that the Jets, they play dirty, I was like, because of Greg Williams. I think Greg Williams, he, wasn't he the uh, the defensive coordinator for the Saints during Bounty Bowl? Let me just check that so that way I don't, so that way I don't sound like an absolute dick. Greg Williams. Yep. In March 2012, Williams was suspended from the NFL as a result of his admitted involvement in the New Orleans Saints 
bounty scandal under which bounties were paid for causing injuries that would take targeted players on opposing teams out of games. Williams' suspension was lifted a year later, and he returned to the NFL. So yes, he was, in fact, involved with Bounty Gate, which was just, I mean, Bounty Bowl, whatever you want to freaking call it, whatever, where they were targeting players. So is it that big of a of a surprise that, oh my gosh, this guy with this team, with that defense, is now targeting players and trying to get them hurt? 100%. I'm not surprised at all. At all. It would be even more surprising if, um, if, if you weren't shocked to find that he's trying to target players. I think he was trying to target Dak Prescott. I think he was like, listen, if the refs, they aren't going to call it, hit him. And he's one of those old coaches that's set in his ways, right? So he's like 61 years old. Yeah, he's 61 and he's still coaching. He's 61 years old. And you know how like 61-year-olds, they're like, well, you know what? Not not 61-year-olds, but just old people in general. They're not, they're not going to get out of their ways. They're not going to change. So he's like, you know what? We had a formula for success. We won a Super Bowl with Bounty Gate or Bounty Bowl, whatever the frick it's called. Like, we're just, we're just not going to change our ways. We're going to continue to target players. We're going to continue to mollywop players. We're going to continue to have illegal hits on players. And what a surprise. Dak Prescott gets hurt because of it. And the referees, they don't call it. You would, you would think, by the way, because certain, certain players they have in the NBA, of course, they have certain stigmas. They have certain fouls that are called upon them because they draw that contact. They initiate the contact. You, so they have that reputation within the league of of drawing that contact. So the refs, they, they're either a little bit more lenient or a little bit uh, more tight with the whistle. Here, the, the NFL referees, they just, they just, I mean, they, they don't take into any situation context. They're like, you know what, this guy, he, ha- he literally was in charge of just dirtying players. And it, not dirtying players, but he was literally one of the guys that was at the forefront of having a bounty hunting like regime in the New Orleans Saints. Like we're not just going to watch out for his guys and make sure that they don't, you know, injure one of the star quarterbacks in the league. Imagine if Dak Prescott got hurt on a dirty hit and the refs didn't call it. Like in my opinion, the refs should have been fined as much if not more than the players because it's like you you look at Kansas City, you look at New Orleans, you look at um you look at uh, Carolina, you look at all these teams with quarterbacks that are missing, and it's like, listen, that could have been Dallas in the season. The Super Bowl season would have been ruined because you guys didn't want to blow your freaking whistle and call these guys out on their bull shit. And Matt Prescott almost got hurt. In fact, he did get hurt, in my opinion. I think he's a champ. I think he's a tough guy. But, I mean, you're, you're telling me, you you look at that shot that he took to the head, and you're telling me he probably didn't suffer a concussion? I've been concussed before. I've been concussed before. I've had, I've been able to have incredible recall. I know where, it's not like you forget where you are. It's like, it takes you a little bit to remember, but it's not like, there, there, I think there's level to it. I think there's a spectrum to it, you know? I don't think it's okay. I, I I don't think it's as easy to be able to just find out who has a concussion and who doesn't. Boxers have concussions all the time. 
You know, it's the, the, the rule, the 10 count rule in boxing where they're like one, two, three, you know, like you, you can get up from a, from having a concussion when you get knocked down in boxing. The same thing happens with football. You can still have that recollection. You can still have that awareness. You can still understand and know who you are and where you are and what you're trying to do while having a concussion. Like it's not as simple as, oh, you have a concussion and you forget who you are and where you are is my point. So. Hopefully the refs, they don't get someone freaking hurt. They don't get them killed. I'm speaking figuratively and somewhat literally. Hopefully they can actually do their freaking jobs because now it's like you're getting guys hurt and you're almost getting guys, you, you could get guys fired. Not fired, but you could put guys on the bench for the entirety of the season. You could actually, you're already ruining the sport by having terrible calls, but at the same token, now you're ruining the sport because you could get guys hurt. Gonna end with this. Got some uh, got some Lincoln Riley goodness. Oh yeah, by the way, speaking of Dak Prescott, I needed to needed to play this. Been wanting to play this for an extremely long time. Here's Dak Prescott post game after the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles game. Don't guarantee anything, baby. You hear that? Hold on. Let me let me turn that up. Let me turn that up. Hey, don't guarantee anything, baby. Hey, big. Ah, uh, what? One more time. One more time, Dak. I know. I know you're a little bit quiet. One more time. One more time. Hey, don't guarantee anything, baby. Don't guarantee anything, baby. Speaking directly to Doug Peterson. God, I love that guy. My guy, Dak Prescott. Uh, All right. So, here's some Lincoln Riley goodness. This This is Joe Klatt interviewing Lincoln Riley. I think Lincoln Riley is one of the best offensive coaches I've ever seen. He's doing things that are just next level with schematics, with matchups, with game plans. This guy is a master, man. How are you? Good. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming in. Now, I wasn't blowing smoke. That's what I truly believe. So I wanted to come and just get a little look behind the curtain. Hal Mummy is really the guy that started it, you know, and had the courage to mm-hmm. just do something so radically different. You know, hired- Sorry, just to, just, they're going to talk about this. This is like a three-minute video, so it's very, very short, but it's very, very interesting. They're going to talk about the introduction of the air raid offense, which is pretty much you just throwing the ball a lot, into college football. Mike, and it grew from there. Hal gets the big job at Kentucky. Bob hires Mike here at Oklahoma to be the OC. You know, Mike does well one year, gets a head coaching job at Texas Tech, and then, you know, so many of us ended up on that staff. That really kind of started this kind of style of offense in this part of the country. So it was about making the game easier for the quarterback. Very much. Did you just hear what he just said? Let me, let me replay it. Let me replay it. Country. So it was about making the game easier for the quarterback. Very much. Making the game easier for the quarterback, right? Making the game easier for the quarterback. 
Take me through a concept for, for a quarterback back in the day. This is a, a four vertical concept. And this is, I think, one of the geniuses of this offense. You had a lot of base pass concepts that you at, did not care one bit about what the defense was sure. doing. They're playing two man up at the top and they ended up bracketing the slot receiver down here to the bottom and we end up throwing a back shoulder fade into a coverage that you sit yeah. there and say like this shouldn't work but our guys had done this so much we would literally have days of practice where we would only call this play no you know our guys get frustrated Defense knows what's coming and you're expected to just execute it. And at the time, I got to be honest, I thought it was a little crazy. Too. I mean, I, you know, y'all, but what it created was a sense of any situation, especially the big situations, we were going to find a way to execute it. Sorry about that. I just wanted to find a good place to pause. What he's essentially talking about, to give some context here, he's talking about the introduction, the conception of the air raid offense back in like the early 2000s with uh with you know the the Texas Tech team the I think they're called the Red Raiders and how they were just running this concept and how a lot of these quarterbacks or not these quarterbacks but these coaches they pretty much took that system because they were on the coaching staff and they just put it and integrated it into their own college style of offenses right so with you know Lincoln Riley obviously you got Oklahoma Bob Stoops he was with Oklahoma and then I think he he either retired or he got fired or whatever and then obviously Lincoln Riley took over as the head coach and you see what he's doing now so what he's essentially talking about when he says um you know I thought it was crazy at the time he's talking like the early 2000s like 2004 or 5 around there and he's talking about how you know, the concept of running four verticals and pretty much looking off the safety and understanding he was talking about it's a cover two and, you know, they were bracketing, they were, they had the slot receiver covered and they just threw the ball to, uh, to, you know, the guy outside the numbers. I don't know what his, I don't know what his Jersey number is. And he pretty much just, you know, he, 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 the quarterback threw a nice, beautiful out route to the wide receiver and it was working. It was working. But remember what he said. This is about protecting the quarterback. How is the offense, how is the NFL offensively schemed towards protecting the quarterback? Making it easier for the quarterback to throw the football. Making it easier for wide receivers to catch the ball because you can't grab on anybody anymore. Right? You hear all the old defensive guys, they're like, you can't touch anybody. Right? So these new offenses, they are designed now more for quarterbacks, wide receivers. And you have an expert who's been literally, I mean, we're talking, let me let me see his tenure as a as a college head coach who's pretty much one of the forefront leaders of this style of offense. How long has he been doing this uh doing doing this specific style? Let me, let me check out his wiki, his Wikipedia page. Uh. So he was in Oklahoma. Uh, wait. His coaching career was in Texas. Uh, his coaching career, 2003. So 2003 to 2005. I think he was the wide receiver coach at one point in time. And I mean, he was a, he was in Texas Tech for like six, seven years, right? Then he goes to East Carolina, 
Then he goes back to Oklahoma in 2015 and 16. And then in 2017, he becomes the head coach, right? So you have all this stuff going on within the Oklahoma, within Lincoln Riley. He's done his job. He's, he's learned the system. He's learned how to be a head coach. He's learned how to coach, right? This isn't a, this isn't a scrub. He's been in the game for 16 years. He understands what he's doing. Let's listen to let's listen to more because this is great. The beauty was how well we threw the ball. There was at times a frustration of that we didn't run it much. I've always had a core belief that you got to be able to run it. Yeah. And then as that grew, the play action, all the other things grew off of it, and, and that's how we've evolved. What style of offense does that? He said core belief, running the football, play action can can develop off of that. Doesn't this sound kind of like he's he's interviewing for the Dallas Cowboys head coaching job? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my bias. But it sounds like to me he's putting his hat, his name in the hat for head coaching job. And to me, his his name is the only name that matters when it comes to, if you got to offer him $15 million, Colin said it this morning. Uh, he said it somewhere. He's like, offer him $15 million. If he needs $15 million to be persuaded to come out of OU, get him out of OU now. Get him out. Get his behind out of there. Because this is the guy, and he's going to say some very, very important stuff about Baker Mayfield and, uh, and Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. Pretty much what I said yesterday, he's going to say it today. You are now having loads of success with such different styles of quarterback. I heard a coach say this years ago, if your system is not a quarterback-friendly system, you need to find a new system. Baker could really process and handle a lot. Kyler, obviously, his athleticism. Yeah, and then Jalen, it's such a different scenario. I had each one of those other guys for multiple years. This one will barely be a calendar year. If I compare them all, there is far more similarities. Really? They got to be tough. They got to be winners. I like guys that have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and edge about them. And who does that sound like? They got to be tough. Talked about Prescott playing it, playing, playing, and getting the 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 you know what the S H I T kicked out of him. They got to be tough. They got to be winners. They got to have a chip on his shoulder. Well, he's a winner. He's tough. We know he's a winner. Look at his record in the past three years. We know that he has a chip on his shoulder. He's a fourth-round draft pick. Does it? Does it not? You now understand. Do you now understand why I've been so adamant on getting this guy in the metallic silver and blue? Those guys have all fit that bill. That's the end of the video, by the way. I mean, he 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 is just the fit for that team, for this team. He's he's the guy. He is the guy. He's the only guy to me. He's like, if if I had anybody, if I could have anybody, I'm I, I'm going with Riley. I'm going with Lincoln Riley and Kellen Moore. He's the only person who I want in Dallas. He, he this this is it to me. This is it. 
This is the this is the end game. Because if you have Lincoln Riley, he develops as the head coach of... I think he becomes the next Bill Belichick, if I'm honest with you. In the sense of, I think he becomes the next great dominant head coach within this league. I don't use that lightly. Like, if you get this dude, and if you put him in the system, like, does, does it not sound... Like he just put himself in Dallas, right? He said he loves the he, you know, he he has a core belief in the run game. He likes quarterbacks that are winners, that are tough, that that have a chip on their shoulders. He wants to protect the quarterback. How often, how much does that sound like like Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott? And it's like you have this guy be with the team. Is he or is he not the head coach of this team for the next 10 to 15 years? If he has success here. Seriously. I mean. Jerry has a lot. This this is one of those. This is another reason why. I wanted Jerry. To sign Dak Prescott this season. Imagine juggling all this stuff. This is why you get your homework done. Before you go into school the next day. Right. Because Jerry this offseason. Think about it. He's going to have to negotiate with Lincoln Riley. He's going to have to get him done. He's going to have to get, he's going to have to make some hard decisions about the roster. He may have to sign Byron Jones. He may have to release him. He's probably going to sign him. He's got, obviously, Dak Prescott's contract, right? If he doesn't get it done by the end of this season. You got all these guys. And you, by the way, you also have um, Malik Collins. He's on a contract year. You have Antoine Woods next year, I think. You're going to have a lot of guys coming up really, really fast. And then on top of that, you're probably going to be shipping off Jason Garrett. If they don't get rid of this dude this offseason, I'm throwing a riot. Figuratively, of course. I'm throwing a riot. Because he has been mediocre. at best, throughout the last four years. He has not schemed at all towards this team. He has not helped this team win any games. Schematically, it has been based off of the talent of the Dallas Cowboys. And when I look at Dallas now, all I got to think to myself, simply put, is that if we get Lincoln Riley, this ship is going to take off. This empire is going to be established. And this team will have somebody that can actually help them win instead of being a hindrance. That's my take on the Lincoln Riley situation. But it is checkout time. This has been 24th Podcast. The very best video gaming podcast on the entire internet. Video gaming and sports podcast. Talked a whole bunch about sports. I'm going to talk about The Witcher 3 within the next couple of days. Thursday night, Washington at Vikings or Vikings at Washington. Snooze fest of a football game. But I will be watching it. Until then, until tomorrow, actually, I'll be podcasting tomorrow as well. I hope you have a fantastic day. 
and I'll see you next time.